This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You've found the best podcast in the universe. It's Wednesday, the 17th of May, and you're listening to The Secrets. Welcome to this podcast of The Secrets, a podcast for anyone who is serious about writing. The Secrets home can be found at www.stormwolf.com. For the next 15 minutes, we'll talk about writing and how to get you even closer to seeing your name on the spine of a book. Welcome to this episode of The Secrets. This podcast is long overdue. In it, I want to talk about a writer's worst enemy, himself. As with anything where you're putting a lot of energy and effort in, writing's a task where it's easy to sabotage yourself. It's pretty much hard-coded into our DNA, in fact. Putting effort into something where there's little chance of a substantial return is not a survival trait. I'm Michael A. Stackpole, a published novelist with 38 published books to my credit. My eight Star Wars novels all made it to the New York Times bestseller list, an honor which keeps me very happy. Uh, this was a mountain I'd never thought I'd climb in my career, and having made it up a bunch of times is just cool beyond belief. I've just finished my 41st novel, and I'm about to launch into The New World, which is the latest book, the last book actually, in the Age of Discovery trilogy. And in the mail today, I just got uh, an anthology called Slipstreams, edited by Martin H. Greenberg and John Helfers, and I've got a story in it called The Silver Knife, which was a lot of fun. You can look for that on bookshelves right now. The Secrets podcast is an audio companion to my writing newsletter, which is also called The Secrets. You can learn more about the newsletter on my homepage at www.stormwolf.com. Download the sample issues and decide if it's worth a dollar an issue to focus your writing on success. Issue 52 just came out. It's the second in a series on plotting. You're all due an explanation for why there's not been a podcast recently. March just turned very busy for me. I was pushing to finish my last novel, and uh, as I'll get into below, it was a very tough one to put together. In addition to that, I did a fair amount of traveling, had to do my taxes, had to look after the business aspect of the career, like checking over royalty statements for spreadsheet errors. Um, I've had a bunch of events to attend. I've had friends in town. Uh, I had to go to the Phoenix Film Festival, which sounds like a lot of fun and certainly was, but I was actually working. Yeah, I know, I know. How do you get a job like that, right? And you volunteer like anybody else, and you realize that it eats up the hours. And then, of course, I need downtime just like anyone else. Traveling, having friends visit, and similar things can really take it out of you. While sitting down and writing might be what some folks do to relax, that's what I do for a living. Sure, I can turn around and read as relaxation, but that becomes research, which is a whole other portion of working. Heck, even sitting down to watch season five of The Sopranos over a weekend became work because the wheels started turning and ideas for stories were there. And, of course, a little piece of all of that is self-sabotage. Now, I know that's an odd concept for a lot of folks. I have to confess, I don't fully understand it, especially myself. I know that a hunk of it is rebellion. When I'm tired, when things aren't working well, I just want to walk away from what I'm supposed to be doing. I find something else to do that soaks up my time, knowing that I've got pressure building up on me to get work done. I've created a really bad motivational circuit there, but I'm so used to working under pressure that it actually gets me to get things done. Go figure. This is only part of the reason I want to address this topic. Kat Claiborne pointed out to me in that in some of the discussion groups on the podcast pen forums, there were folks who were going against my <clears throat> brilliant advice that you should finish work before editing it. 
They even mentioned that they knew this was the way to work, but sometimes they didn't feel like writing, instead felt like editing, so they went in and edited. They maintained that there was nothing wrong with doing that. I guess I didn't make my point about write first, edit later, clear enough. Editing work before it's finished is like decorating a house before you have a roof or interior walls. You can do it if you want to, but chances are that all the effort you put into that editing is going to be tossed out in a later draft. And if you ever manage to finish the project, the edit after that will blow the last bit of work out. The biggest bit of self-sabotage you can do is to surrender momentum. When you're in the middle of working on a project, your head gets stuck firmly there. You're in the world, in the story, in the character, which is precisely where you should be. You take the energy you're building up and use it to push through to the end, either the end you intend or the new ending you discover. I'll give you a case in point. One of the short stories I had to write this year was supposed to be set in a world where magic exists and is involved in a business in some way. I got to thinking about it and decided I wanted to do a hard-boiled detective type story set in the nether regions of society. I sat in a strip club and began to imagine how magic would work as part of a business there. I also decided to make it a murder mystery. I mean, what's a detective story without murder, right? Putting together murder mysteries is actually fairly easy. There's something of a formula to it, and I outlined the story to conform with the formula. But then, as I was working and developing the magic system, changes to that formula started to come to mind. The story that resulted goes ahead and starts where I thought it would start, but doesn't end up where I'd been planning to have it end. The ending grew out of the world I'd created, and the story is much stronger for that reason. Now, you might tell yourself that I was editing as I was going along, but that's not true. I was writing. The internal editor isn't the part of me that had those aha moments. That's the writer exploring what's going on and what's possible. Now, once I've written to that ending, it's the editor that goes through and points out all the dots I didn't connect or places where I need a lot more dots to connect. The editor sets assignments for the writer to complete. Another problem with editing before finishing the project, aside from a lot of wasted effort, is a loss of heart. If you let the editor kick in and you go back and start seeing all the things that you will need to correct, it'll just gut you. This piece of that that you thought was gonna be, you know, something fantastic, really turns out to be a turd. And yeah, that's a technical term. What you miss is a simple fact. You'd not see the problems if you weren't getting better through writing. Not only will you progress as a writer, but by the end of the project, you'll see what it is you need to fix and you'll have the tools necessary to make the fixes. As I've said before, you're not a novelist until you've completed a novel, and you sure as heck can't edit a novel until you're a novelist. You just don't have the tools, and trying to edit without those tools is a complete waste of time. So, what do you do when there's something wrong with the project and you know it, but you're still in the middle of it? Moreover, you can see how to fix it. Shouldn't you just go back, make the fixes, and push on? Hello? Hit the rewind button. I mean, just hit the little button on your on your uh, iPod, scroll it on back. Heck, just start the whole podcast over, okay? Go ahead. No, seriously, I'll wait. No, I will wait. Okay, welcome back. 
Let me give you two cases, those being the novel I just finished and the second short story I did. Both of them faced that particular problem, the problem of being broken, and they had similar solutions. The novel was presenting me a problem because it's set in a franchise universe. No, not Star Wars, sorry. I'm very used to working in that universe, but this was the first time I'd been given a plot line instead of generating a plot of my own. On the surface, the plot looked okay, but as I got into the novel, I saw problems with it. Unfortunately, other writers are producing books that are supposed to match mine, and they're, they're working off the plot outline and the basic book outline that I created. I had no chance to make radical changes to what was going on, but the flaws in the plot were driving me totally nuts. Under normal circumstances, I'd have just changed the plot around until I was happy. I couldn't do that, so I did something else. I just tossed myself into making the characters really come alive. I had a lot of fun creating secondary characters who grew and changed throughout the novel. Using their personal story arcs, I was able to layer in tension and excitement that otherwise would have been supplied by twists and turns in the overall plotline. So the solution there was not to go back to square one and start editing, but to turn the writing up a notch, and then another notch, and another. I found something in the book that I could be passionate about, and I went with it. I beat inertia, used the momentum to keep going, and put together a, a, a book that I hope will leave readers breathless with anticipation for the volume that follows it. If I'd gone back to square one, I would have completely lost heart. You think it's tough looking at turning out an 80,000 word novel? Imagine starting after chucking away 20 or 30,000 words. Nothing like trying to make a high jump from inside the, a well. If you go back and start editing before you're done, that's what you're doing. You're just digging yourself a big hole. In the second case, the short story, I decided to do a piece with my Merlin Bloodstone character. Bloodstone is an occultist. Connor, who functions as his Dr. Watson, is a dyed-in-the-wool skeptic. One of the conceits of the stories is that Connor always has to have a way to deny that anything supernatural has happened. Bloodstone always knows better, which keeps the tension between them. This story, which was written for an anthology called Pandora's Closet, had to involve a garment with some sort of magic or curse on it. The anthology will come out in the summer of 2007 and is edited by Gene Raby. The story I wanted to do originally had some heavy-duty magic in it, and while the setup worked fine, as I came down to the end, I had trouble. The original ending would have required some heavy-duty magic, and there was no way Connor would have been able to deny what he'd seen. I left the story unfinished and thought about how to fix it. Later that night, I came up with a solution, which would involve me trimming back about a page of the manuscript. It wasn't a complete cut, just adjustments to a paragraph here and there, since a lot of the material I had written would still function with the new direction the story was going in. So, after a little trimming, I wrote the story almost entirely to the end, about a paragraph shy of it, in fact. And I stopped because I'd spotted another, more basic problem. Because I'd been focusing on the item in question and how to make its magic work, I'd not had any character growth in the story. Because Bloodstone and Connor are long-term series characters, the amount of change that they can undergo in a short story is rather minimal. This left the third character in the story, the one who had catalyzed the action, to be the character who would change. I saw instantly how to make that happen, and the next morning started on my editing. I also needed to trim words out of the piece since it was running longer than the anthology wanted. And in doing that cutting, I tightened the story up a whole bunch. I also tossed out material I didn't need, about 1,500 words, 
and added back in about seven or 800 words to do all the character work on the girl who was going to do the changing, and then added the final paragraph, and I was done. Now, some of you are going to say that I've broken my own rule there. I edited the story before I was finished. You'd be wrong, and it's not just because I'm doing the podcast. You actually would truly be wrong. The story was finished. It was dead in the water. It was broken and couldn't go any further. I recognized that fact and then went back to fix the problems with as little work as possible before pushing on to the end. If I'd gone back to the beginning and started editing, I would have changed things that would not necessarily fit with the ending, with the new ending, and likely never would have gotten me to that new ending. The key is that I preserve the momentum by making tiny changes that let me go forward. That ultimately is the soul of editing. You make the changes that need to be made. You can only discern need in the light of the finished product. Why you'd go and do work in the middle, which can only be done at the end, makes absolutely no sense to me. It's like worrying about your Oscar acceptance speech before you've ever appeared in a film. And worse, it's when working on the speech means you never go out for those auditions that might actually get you into a film. There are hundreds and thousands of other ways writers can sabotage themselves. One is failing to sit down to write. Another is to allow yourself to think you need to read just one more book before you start the novel. You know, that research dodge. Another is refusing to understand that even a sentence a day, scribbled while you're on the bus, is actually writing and someday will amount to a story or a novel. Editing before you finish, however, is the arch fiend of self-sabotage. It's where you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Finish first, then edit. You might decide you can do it otherwise, but I think the odds are better at winning the lottery than succeeding by editing as you go. James Patrick Kelly wrote a very nice piece about podcasting in the June 2006 issue of Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. Aside from getting my name wrong, my middle initial is an A as in amused, he did have very nice things to say about the secrets and the sci-fi podcast network. He did note that he would be glad to debate a few points with me, and we'll have to arrange that sometime. All of you are more than welcome to debate this point about editing and others in the forums for The Secrets at tsfpn.com. You can also find links there to the earliest programs in the series. If you find that you've successfully completed a, and sold a work by editing each day, well, let's hear it. I'm always glad to hear when I'm wrong. You know, novelty, after all, is, you know, the spice of life. Now, go forth and write. Keep writing. Leave that editing stuff for later. This is Michael A. Stackpole for The Secrets. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit www.stormwolf.com to get your sample issues of The Secrets. Issue 52 with the second part of the plotting series came out on May 15th. My latest book, Cardamancy, came out in February in case you missed it. And it's the sequel to A Secret Atlas in case you missed that one as well. The podcast, as I've noted before, has discussion forums at www.tsfpn.com. Please feel free to come over there, ask questions, and participate in the discussions about writing. I'm actually not sure what the next podcast will cover. Hit the forums, make a suggestion, let me know what you want and need to be covered. This podcast is copyright 2006 by Michael A. Stackpole. I'll be back in about two weeks with more about working with words. Until then... Good luck with your writing, and don't edit.